Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. Good morning, everybody. If you're here in person or online and watching online, it's good to be back with you guys and to share a little bit of my story. But honestly, my story is probably a lot like your story. And I want to make much of Jesus today. Because he impacted my life, and because he impacted my life, I get to go impact the lives of others. Um, we have a lot to be thankful for as we're coming up into Thanksgiving week. Um, can I share with you, just on behalf of the king and the kids, thank you. On behalf of the king of kings and lord of lords and the kids that we rescue in 10 countries around the world, thank you. So far this year, 2,100 kids are free. Come on, church. 2,100 kids are, are, are free and living into a path of freedom. We've launched a few new rescue countries, and there's some incredible things happening as we're pursuing the vision of being in 30 countries by 2030 and rescuing 100,000 kids. And you're a part of that. Because you rose up, because you are consistently rising up, kids are finding rescue and freedom. And as they're finding rescue, they're hearing the good news of Jesus. As, as you're rising up, there are people who are getting clean water through filters and they're hearing the gospel of Jesus. There's a church that's been planted in Guatemala and, 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 and stomachs are being filled with nutritious food and they're hearing the gospel of Jesus. Through, through child sponsorship and the, the partnership of, and, and Laganov and with World Hope, there are people who are hearing the gospel of Jesus and their lives are being transformed and changed. Thank you on behalf of the king and his kids because we're all his kids, amen? You know, it's good to be here and to be a part in Tuscaloosa. It's nice to feel a little coolness. Um, my wife and I live in Florida. Um, I was commenting earlier that it was nice on the drive-in today to see color on the trees. Normally, we just see green. And, and while I'm suffering in 70-degree weather and flip-flops walking on the beach, there's some parts of the country that are a little colder, and I was reminded of that today in the crisp, clean air. Um, and if I could just be a, a, a proud husband for a second, I want to show you my wife. In case you haven't met her yet, this is Sarah. We've been married for a little over 20 years, and there is some incredible things that God is doing through us and in us. And this is our dog, Bucky. We adopted him uh, about a year and a half ago. And I just show this picture because I didn't know dogs could smile on command. <laughs> I'm taking the selfie. Sarah goes, Bucky, smile. I take the picture and look at it. I'm like, whoa, our dog's a genius. But Sarah and I, we have prayed for years. Um, we, we knew each other when we were kids. I was three and she was an infant. It wasn't an arranged marriage. Um, my parents and her parents knew each other. Life went, our, we went our different ways in life and God brought us back together. And about uh, right as I was in college, she was graduating high school, we got connected again and God began to knit our hearts together. We got married in my senior year of college. And at that moment, we begin to pray. Not just for our life as an individual, but our life as a couple. God, we want our lives to matter. And I think that that's a prayer that we all pray. You've heard Pastor James say that he prays it. I would say you pray it as well. You want to have an impact. So the prayer that we simply begin to pray is, God, would you help us to have an impact? And God took us to Matthew chapter 9. And that became a, a verse for me that I built my life on. I stand on that passage of scripture. 
Because there's something incredible that happens in the, in the life of Jesus that encourages us and, and helps us to engage in such a way that we do what Jesus did. Because I believe if you're going to have an impact, you should look at the one who, has the mo- who made the most impact and begin to be like him, to begin to follow him. And if Jesus made the most impact in our lives, we should emulate or do the things that Jesus did. Amen? So if you do the things that Jesus did, you will see the impact that Jesus saw. In Matthew chapter 9, it starts out in verse 36. It says this, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. See, I think the first step to making an impact is that you have to see who Jesus saw. You have to see the people that Jesus sees. This is the idea of my head. What, get, getting outside of my thoughts. I don't know about you, but there's a lot that gets caught up in my head. And I, I lay awake at night sometimes and I'm running over the thoughts of the day or where I'm headed to next or I'm checking the schedule of what my week is like. My thoughts get so caught up and in, in, in running that I maybe miss the opportunities that are right in front of me. I was so busy to get on a plane yesterday because there was a delay and I was going to possibly miss my flight, my connection flight in Atlanta, so I was thinking through all the details, like, okay, at what point do I need to text Pastor James and tell him that, hey, you should probably have somebody set up to pinch hit, which is always like the great thing that you want to text somebody and tell them like, hey, sorry, flight delayed, can't get there, you're going to have to get somebody last minute, right? But the, the, the thoughts and the processes, I was so caught up that I didn't catch the guy who sat down right next to me on the plane. Until about halfway through the flight, I look up and realize that we're both watching the Alabama game. And, and, and they, they miss the onside kick, you know, they, they, and so they're able to now win the game. And he's like throwing his arms up, yeah, celebrating. And I'm like, oh, you like Alabama. Duh. And we start talking. This guy lives 15 minutes from the town that I live in. As we're talking, he shares about how his son is going to Alabama and, and all these things, and we begin to connect the dots. We realize that his, people that he knows goes to church with Sarah and I in Palm Bay, and we begin to talk and encourage one another and exchange information, but sometimes we get so caught up in the reality of what's going on around us that we miss the opportunity to simply see the people who Jesus sees. Because can I tell you, compassion, friends, has a speed. In fact, that word compassion, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion. It's the Greek word splagnizomai, not spaghetti. Splagnizomai. It's a word that's only used 12 times in the entire New Testament. Now, I went to to Bible college at Indiana Wesleyan University and and spent 15 years as a pastor. My wife and I planted a church in Wabash, and and, and about in 2015, we're at the Wesleyan gathering in Orlando, and as we walk into the room to start the first session, I looked at her, and I'm like, I had a funny question just come to my mind. It felt like God was asking me if I would say yes, and she says, that's weird. I had the same thought. I'm like, well, I know not to tell God no, so I'm going to tell God yes. What does that mean? We have no idea, but God, whatever you want us to do, we'll do. And that took us from the church that we had planted in Wabash, Indiana, and pastored for six years up to northwest Indiana. We pastored a church there. It was a revitalization effort. And after we were there for a couple of years, God began to remind us of all the things that he had 
had, had done in our lives. The fact that we had been in foster care, foster parents, we had, we had adopted our son when he was 12. All of these realities came flooding back to our minds, but God had to get us out of the space that we were at to get our attention on something else. And as God began to get our attention off of ourselves and onto something else, we began to realize that God has a heart for people. And as God has a heart for people, I begin to be challenged to go, do I love the people that God loves? Because it's one thing to say that we've got head knowledge. It's another thing to say heart. So not only if we're going to make an impact, do we have to see who Jesus sees? We have to love who Jesus loves. That word compassion, splagnizomai, 12 times in the New Testament, nine times were about the activity of Jesus. If you look at all the places in Scripture where it was used... It's Jesus having compassion on this person and healing them. Jesus having compassion or loving this person and having a conversation. Jesus doing this. And then three times are used in moments where Jesus is telling parables about how his followers should live in the world. There's the, the guy who had his debt canceled, but yet somebody owed him money and he didn't have compassion on him and canceled the debt. There was the, the prodigal parent, the prodigal dad, who when his son was afar off, ran to him, had compassion on him, threw his arms around him, and welcomed him back home. Then there's, of course, the good Samaritan. The good Samaritan, you know the story, the guy who should not have had compassion on the Jewish guy who got beat up because of cultural differences, set aside his cultural differences, and, and got down on his hands and knees, and got dirty, and bound the guy's wounds, and met his physical needs. This reality for Sarah and I when we begin to hear that God begin to wrestle through this passage of Scripture, because God kept bringing it up over and over and over again, God began to challenge me going, do you love the people that I love? And as I was saying, yes, God, we love the people, I love the people that you love. It was about 4 a.m. I don't know about you, but God tends to speak to me really early in the morning. I think because that's the time that God's awake. That joke didn't land at all. That's okay. I get up about 4 a.m. and I'm, I feel the, I have the impression to go read Joshua chapter 4. Like I immediately wake up wide awake and Joshua 4 is on my mind. I'm like, okay, well maybe the Lord wants me to read Joshua 4. So I go read Joshua chapter 4 and as I'm reading Joshua chapter 4, it's the passage in, in the Old Testament where, where the people of Israel are getting ready to cross into the promised land. And, and the priests put their foot in the waters and the waters of the Jordan River part and they walk across on dry land. And I went, Lord, I think you're calling me to resign the, the church, and, and you're going to lead us into where you want us to go and into the next place, and I'm going to trust you, but I, I really need you to confirm this with Sarah, so I'm going to go back to sleep, and I'm going to I'm gonna let you work on the confirmation part of it. So I go back to bed. I get up about 7.30, grab a cup of coffee. As I'm in the kitchen, I look, and Sarah's at the dining room table. All of, she has all these pages spread out all over the table, and she's furiously taking notes. Her Bible's open, and I'm like, what are you reading? She's behind me. I'm at the Keurig, and, and she goes, Joshua 4, and I'm like, <laughs> what about? She goes, the priests put their foot in the waters, and the waters parted, and they walked across on dry land. And I said, I read the same passage at four this morning. I believe God's calling us to resign the church and he's going to provide the next season of life for us and we're going to go do the things that he wants us to do and I've got a board meeting tonight and I'm going to resign the church. 
What I expected her to say is, you're nuts. She grabs all of her papers and piles them in the center of the table. And she goes, then why did I take all these notes? (laughs) But we had learned in the process of following Jesus to love, to see the people that God sees, to love the people that God loves, and to serve the people that God serves. Because, see, our heads and our hearts dictate what our hands do. See, our head and our hearts, when we see what Jesus sees, when we love how, who Jesus loves, our hands will serve those who Jesus serves. And I'll go ahead and fill, finish the equation for you. Our feet will then follow our head, heart, and hands. We will go to the places and have the impact that we're supposed to have when our hands are serving those who Jesus serves. See, Jesus says this, says, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. What I love is Jesus didn't look at his disciples and say, Hey, if you just hold on a second, I'm going to go harvest this field, and I'll be back. He says, Would you ask the Lord of the harvest to send laborers to the harvest field? The idea here is that there is an incredible invitation to join God at work in the world. The harvest field is the analogy for the world. There's this incredible opportunity to join God at work, and we get to accept the invitation. But we accept the invitation by following with our head, heart, hands, and feet. When we see who Jesus sees, when we love who Jesus loves, and when we serve who Jesus serves... We get to go where Jesus goes. And where does Jesus go? Settled in Matthew. Says, Therefore go into all the world, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all the things that I've commanded you. See, there's nothing special about me. There's not. I got to simply just do the thing that God called me to do. And it's a joy. And I know that there's an impact. I know that there's a 12-year-old girl that's free in Thailand today because I had the opportunity to sit across the table from her and to see her. I I got to care for her and be compassionate and hear her story. And I got to serve by walking out of the room and telling our our, undercover, our second undercover team that this was the girl's badge number. That's right, I said badge number. She didn't have a name, she had a number because in some cultures, the, the, those who are being trafficked are just looked at like another piece of meat. They're a commodity. And as I was able to share her number, they walked in right after me, called her number, and they offered her a chance to freedom and she jumped at it and she's now living free because of it. The impact that I got to make in my son's life because I saw him and cared for him and walked with him. Wherever it is that God's called you to go, it starts by seeing the people that are there, loving the people there, and serving the people there. So my question is, who did Jesus see, serve, and love? It was people. That's your impact. Our impact is not on stuff. It's not on our time. It's not on our schedule. It's not on... Our impact is determined by the people that we come in contact with. Every opportunity that you have to see somebody, love somebody, and serve somebody is an opportunity to make an impact. 
that's what Jesus calls us to. Our head, hands, and heart lead the way and our feet will follow. One hope you are doing an incredible job of making an impact around the world. And on behalf of the kids and the king, thank you. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you would like to hear more, check out our website at OurOneHope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.